Hey, it's Eric and Tara. Thanks for tuning in with us today for another episode of Capital Stories. In this podcast, we talk to real people about real issues and look for intersections of life and faith to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. Mm, and today's episode is an interview between Paul Godbout, a pastor here at Capital, and Teresa Wood. Teresa is well-known around here. Totally. Yeah, she's like like a unicorn. She's this rare, incredible, miraculous, like... <laughs> unicorn animal. I mean, we see her at staff meetings. We meet for staff every yes, Thursday morning, right? She's and, in the parking lot. And we see a person walking around outside, just like walking around with with her earphones in, just, just worship, praising, just praising yeah. and worshiping and praying. And is she, that's just an example. And but, fun fact, she has literally a hundred Jesus t-shirts. Okay, fun like fact. Bible I verse t-shirts, Jesus t-shirts. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me. Gold to have it, one for every day of the year. She told me once. So really? if you know Teresa... <laughs> and want to give her a gift. That would be she a, needs a good gift. 265 Jesus, yeah. more. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I feel like she's going to make that goal because she's <laughs> she's 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 the she's the she's the capital unicorn. Um, but she's also the house manager in in real life at the Salt Lake Rescue Mission Women's Center and she's going to talk about that, but she is perfectly skilled for that yeah, job. So equipped I to mean, do that work. Just we often talk about God and Jesus is this this they have it's this transformative power this transformative power of God this old to new this before and after this was and now Mm -hmm. and she is a walking example of that Mm -hmm. Um, we're so excited for her to share the old share the past share the was share the before her story is so it's just it's just painful and what she went through is starting at seven years old and for decades this wasn't like you know at 21 you know she she recovered from the addictions that stemmed from just abuse um and neglect and and all of that this was this was decades of bouncing along rock bottom Mm -hmm. um and then having a moment that she truly was transformed by the power of God mm. into into something new. And she loves, 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 and is so passionate about talking about what life looks like now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know whether you're facing an addiction yourself of some kind or you mm-hmm. know, just feel like you're not clinging as hard to God mm-hmm. as you think or you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope today's episode is just just that, some hope. Yeah. Some hope for the present. Yeah. God's redemption is powerful, and this is a true testament of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, here's Teresa and Paul on Capital Stories. So I love stories, and I believe in the power of stories. And a lot of that comes from the fact that the majority of the Old Testament and huge portions of the New Testament, I mean, they're stories. God speaks. He reveals himself through stories. Uh, in fact, when I get to speak, often the theme is stories. Like a lot of the one things are things like, you know, you have a story that reveals God's glory. Um, you know, it's, it's too much for you to bear, but God is giving you a story to share. One of the incredible things about stories is that by definition, stories are about transformation, who you were and how you become who God has created you to be. And what's crazy about stories, whether it's a movie or a book, is that what is perceived as a weakness by the main character, the hero, uh, through the trials and the struggles of the story, that weakness is a lot of times transformed into the very thing that they need in order to save the day or to become who they were meant to be uh, for the story. And so 
today, I'm excited, Teresa, to get to hang out and talk to you because from the moment that I met you, actually the very the context of meeting you was I got to hear your story. I got to hear your baptism story. And ever since then, when I think of the transforming power of Christ to take a story of who someone was and make them into a truly new creation, I I think of you. And so I have the privilege of knowing you. Um, but for those who who don't know you right now, you currently work at the Rescue Mission Women's Center, if I'm uh, wording that correctly. And we're going to talk about that here in a few moments. But first, help everyone else in podcast world to get to know you a little bit better the way that I've kind of gotten to know you. Thanks for that introduction, Paul. I'm not sure that i feel as strongly about myself as you do, which is kind of cool. <laughs> as you said, I work for the Women's Rescue Mission. I've been doing that for about three years now. But more importantly, I think is where I came from is, is almost more important than where I am now in some ways. Um, I spent a lot of my life in active addiction, uh, using one chemical or another for Pretty much my whole life, my parents were pretty good at, at making sure that their children were medicated so that they mm. didn't have to do anything with them. So um, I started drinking alcohol for effect when I was seven years old. Wow. Uh, so I spent most of my life in in that darkness with no hope and no, um, no direction, uh, pretty much just going from one crisis to another to another throughout my whole life. The biggest thing that impacted my life was... Um, there was a lot of sexual abuse in my life from the time I was seven um, throughout the rest of my life. Uh, started with my my stepfather um, and some situations there that really just kind of defeated any kind of hope that I may have mm -hmm. had. Um, you know, children should grow up with with hope and joy and expectation yeah, yeah. Um, for their lives, and I really never had the opportunity to have any of that. Um, that was all stolen from me at a very, very young age. Um, so I grew up thinking that the only person that was going to take care of me was me. And as a result of that belief system, I consistently found myself um, with, with people who were doing the same thing. <laughs> you know, I ended up in some really dark places I started using drugs for effect when I was around 10 years old. I been, had been smoking marijuana from the time I was 10 years old. Um, I finally um, ended up, and I'll, I'll, I could go into a lot of stories about um, rape and homelessness and drug addiction. And, um, you know, I started using drugs, like I said, at 10 years old. By the time I was 18, I was using a needle um, and using IV drugs. Mm -hmm. During that time, I actually had five children of my own who got brought up into that same kind of cycle. We talk about cycles a lot in the Christian world. We talk about the cycle of judges, and we talk about the cycles you know, of harvest, and we yeah. talk about those cycles. I was stuck in a cycle of darkness upon darkness upon darkness. And yeah. as, I, as I continued to use drugs and I continued to live that lifestyle, that darkness got deeper and deeper and deeper. It ended eventually after several stints in jail, um, spent a year and a half in prison. Um, it ended with me assaulting another person and ending up in jail. How old were you at this point? Uh, boy, by that time I was f almost 50. I was 49 
um, my last stint in jail. Um, praise God. So this is not a story of like, in my early 20s, everything. No, this is, I mean, this was a lifetime of when you say cycles, like, and you were stuck in that cycle. I mean, this is over and over. And I mean, just cycle after cycle for an entire lifetime, right? I don't think I drew a sober breath from the time I was 10 until I um, found myself at the rescue mission. I had periods of what we call clean time in sure. there. But as far as having a sober mind, I, you know, I really can't say that that was ever a part of my life. Yeah. So um, when I finally ended up in jail this last time, I had pretty much just had it. I was, I was done with, with that kind of life. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not a life. It's, a, it's survival only, and it's very animalistic, um, and it's hopeless. It's hopeless and dark. Yeah. Um, and this last time I ended up in a jail cell, they put me in a suicide cell. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what a suicide cell is, it is literally a concrete box um, with a concrete bed. They take all of your clothes. They take anything that you could potentially harm yourself with. And they give you what's called a turtle suit, which is this wool blanket covering thing. Um, you know, I have a lot of empathy for John the Baptist. You know, <laughs> every time I, I read about his camel hair suit, mm -hmm. I think about that. So, <laughs> so you're, it's, it's completely undignified. It takes everything away from you. Mm. It takes everything away from you physically, and it takes everything away from you spiritually. Mm. It puts you in there, and they leave you. And the only window is at the very bottom of the cell, so you could see people's feet walking by. But they don't talk to you. Even when they bring you your food, they just slide it through the a little lunch sack through mm -hmm. a little opening, and there's so there's no human contact at all uh, for about three days while they just monitor whatever it is that they that they monitor. Yeah. And in that jail cell, that's where that's where my bottom, if you can call it that, was. Um, I don't think I hit a bottom. I think I hit bottom when I was about 14 and then just kind of bounced along for a while. But <laughs> I remember sitting in that jail cell and I remember thinking that this was all there was, mm -hmm. that there was nothing else. And that's literally when I cried out to God and I said, God, if you're there, you need to show yourself right now. I need to know because if you're not there, I have nothing left. And, and that's, that's the moment that God flipped my story upside down and, and rewrote um, my future based on what he was doing with my past. So, And, you know, I, and I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing, you know, some of those, I mean, I don't even know what to call them because I don't want to say highlights because they were <laughs> whatever the opposite is. I kind of um, call them highlights now. You kind of stepped us through those things to show where you ended up. You've kind of told us about what life was like up to that moment, but the place where God found you, the place where you cried out for God was in this jail cell. Yeah. So great. You acknowledge <laughs> that you need God, but you're still in this jail cell in the right. turtle suit and everything. Yeah. Um, for, t tell me a little bit more about like 
from that moment on, were you one of those lucky, lucky people who it was just this switch that flips and everything was better? Or were there, <laughs> were there you're laughing at me, so I think I know where this is going. Um, but or were were there stops and starts? Like just just tell us a little bit about like what what was that next phase, that next that next cycle that you were trying to step into? What was what was that like? I would love to tell you that in that moment the light went on and and the the glory of God shone through and my life was just, you know, all about angels and, and flowing white gowns. The Mm -hmm. fact is it didn't quite go like that. Um, I got out of jail and I spent the next 30 days actually, well, there were some things right before that. Like I had been baptized into the church of another, um, religion and that didn't fit well with me that I just didn't feel God. Okay. Um, and so while I was, I had some introduction to God and I, and I had this, this newfound strengthening, I guess, you know, I don't even know that I would call it faith at that Mm. point. It was just almost like a bolstering, you know, if you, when you were a kid, if you ever had bolster pillows, you know, those things that hold you up, that's kind of what I felt in that jail cell was that, that bolstering. But I don't know that I would go so far as to call it faith yet. I got out of jail. I spent 30 days literally on the streets, sleeping in tracks, parking lots, and and dope houses and places like that, but staying clean. Hmm. Because in that process of, of crying out to God, there was also this commitment that just said you need to do something different, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. You know, and, and today I know that is the voice of God saying you need to do something different. Yeah. Um, then it was just this this gut level conviction that I was not going to live my life the way I'd been living it. So I spent 30 days living on the streets, struggling um, with how to do that and not use, um, how to do that differently. Um, somewhere in that process, I found the phone number or the phone number found me, <laughs> um, of the rescue mission women's center. And okay. I, I found myself at their front door, you know, and, and throughout that process, the lights started coming on. Things okay. started becoming clearer. What I always saw as coincidence, I now saw as God. Yeah. Um, what I always saw as, as. A, a sense of peace I now knew was the hand of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so things started to come together. I spend a lot of time with a different pair of glasses, if that okay. makes sense. Seeing the world with just a little shift, yeah. just a little shift. And, and I know that shift today is God, yeah. but I didn't know that then. Let me intentionally interrupt you here, and you got to forgive me because this is just like the pastor in me coming out. Um, <laughs> w- what I'm hearing from you is you have this moment where where God finds you in that jail cell, and you're ready to make that change. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't miraculously pull you out of that. There's no, someone drives by and says, hey, here's an apartment, and let me get you out of that situation. <laughs> it's like you went back. You went back yes. to the same situation you were in, mm-hmm. but- you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to kind of tee this up, and then I, want, I, would, I would love to hear you speak to it. But it sounds to me like the difference was because you went back to the same process or into the same place. Right. What changed was not the place, but it was the way you went about the process, right. and you invited God into that process. Sometimes 
and again, correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes knowingly, because you were just like, something's got to change. But looking back, you can see, yeah, he was a part of my rethinking. He was a part of the process. And, and you know, I, I would love for you to kind of maybe drill down a little bit more, like, like what were some of those granular shifts? Because I think for most of us, that's the struggle is it's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to change. <laughs> and then we're, and then we have an awkward right, pause with right. God and he's like, okay, so, I mean, you, you want me to do it? Cause I can empower <laughs> you to do it. And, 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 right. and so it's like, it sounds to me like you invited him into that process. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about like what, tell us some of those fights, those struggles to change your process and, and, and how you found your way through all of that stuff. So that when you did show up at the rescue mission, you had like you had, you had already undergone some, some changes to, to prepare you, uh, to keep moving forward. So, so a couple of times, Paul, you've said you invited God in and I, you know, I'm not even sure that that's what I was doing. Okay. Um, because I'm not sure that I really had, I don't think I really believed that he was there mm. when I said, you better be there because I have nothing left. Yeah. So, so getting out of jail and going back to the, to the circumstances that I had come out of at that moment, at that time was more about grit. Mm. You know, it was more about, I'm just not going to live that life. But even though, and I say this a lot with the ladies I work with, even though I didn't believe in God necessarily in that moment, God believed in me. There you go. And, and God kept giving me enough to keep moving forward. You know, things like, like I didn't know where I would sleep one night and then there would be somewhere to sleep. Um, you know, for the first time in a long time, they didn't turn the sprinklers on <laughs> at the track station yeah. at four o'clock in the morning. So it was dry all night. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a miracle. If you're homeless, that's a miracle. <laughs> um, so there, there were just these things that, as I walked, things felt easier. Um, you're right. Nobody drove by and gave me a car. No, well, that happened actually later, but we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> you're just full uh, of stories. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my life didn't miraculously change. I was still living on the streets. I was still struggling to figure out where my next meal was coming from, mm -hmm. but it kept coming. You know, that we talk about the manna from heaven. Yeah. Um, sometimes comes in the form of a McDonald's hamburger. There you go. God started providing for me and it started changing from the inside how I was viewing life and and what I wanted from life. Yeah. Somewhere along that path, that hopelessness went away. Mm. And and I started seeing that maybe things really could be different. Yeah. And that was where God, where God was, was in that, in that place of, I'm not giving you everything, but I can give you hope. And that hope, I still don't, uh, you know, if you ask me today, I don't know how I got a hold of the rescue mission. Uh -huh. I don't know how that happened. What I know today is that was God. I didn't know that then. Um, then it was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> but God led my feet in the direction he wanted them to go. And I don't even know that I listened. I think um, sometimes God does kind of pluck us up and put us where he wants us. Um, but he does it very gently and very quietly. And, and I just found my life changing. 
Um, I know today that's God. Yeah. I didn't know that then. You yeah. know? But like I said, even though I didn't necessarily believe in God, he believed in me and he believed in the plan that he had for me. Um, and looking back, I can see all those, those little nudges away from the cliff. You know, I would, yeah. I would start heading one direction and there'd be a little nudge that says, you know, cross the street here, don't cross the street here. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of my, my beginning relationship with God. As I, as I've grown in my relationship with God, God and I've had, um, lots and lots and lots and lots of arguments. Um, I am not one to, you know, walk in this wonderful world of faith where I just believe everything's super, you know, mm -hmm. and God's in control. I believe God's in control, but that yeah. doesn't mean that I don't resist. It doesn't mean sure. that I don't rebel. And, and we've wrestled a lot with um, why, you know, when it comes to my story. Why was I molested at seven years old? Why did I end up homeless and on the streets? Why did I go through the things that I went through? Um, and he doesn't always give me an answer. Hmm. What he does give me, and, and, and this has been the consistent thing throughout, what he does give me is hope. Hmm. You know, hope that there's a reason for that. Hope that there's a purpose behind that. Um, hope that this isn't my forever home. Yeah. You know, so that's, so my relationship with God has been gradual and, and building. And there's still days when, when he has to believe in me because I struggle to believe in him. Yeah. So. And forgive me for saying this, but thank you for saying that because it normalizes me because <laughs> I struggle <laughs> with the same thing to mm -hmm. feel like, like, yeah, I don't believe in my, thank you, God, that you believe in me. Mm -hmm. um, so I hate that you feel that way, but I kind of, I'm kind of glad that I'm not alone. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, you know, it, it, you just talked about, you know, the fact that you and God live in the real world together. Mm -hmm. You struggle, you wrestle, you argue. Um, I know that you're not afraid of conflict because you very politely just told me that I was wrong <laughs> about you know, the way that I was perceiving. You're inviting God into the process and you're like, thanks, but no, that's not exactly. So you're not afraid of that conflict. You're not afraid of conflict um, to step in and wrestle with God. Uh, and in that wrestling, you've asked him why, 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 and 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 you just mentioned um, he hasn't always given me the reasons, but he's shown me that there there's hope, mm -hmm. and there's hope to figure those things out. Um, and and again, one of the things I love about you is that you are straightforward. You're willing to tell me I'm wrong. You're willing to tell God, you know, how you feel. Not that um, he's wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't say that he was wrong. I mean, but yeah, I'm wrong and that you, you, you've got questions for him. Because of your past and because, you know, he's given you this default of hope, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about where you are now with the role that you serve at the Women's Rescue Mission and how those unanswered questions all, all god is all i say in air quotes <laughs> all god has given you is hope for the wise we started this whole thing by talking about transformation mm -hmm. that thing that tried to once destroy you god has actually taken that thing and said oh yeah watch this mm -hmm. and now because of what you've been through because of what you've been through you now have the ability to to reach people that I will never be able to. So maybe maybe talk tell step us into where you are now and how God has used your past to make you who you are and prepare you to uh, uh, or equip you to do what you're doing now. Because that's the incredible thing about and the mind blowing thing about God, where it's like, 
I don't think for a second he wanted you to do these things in the past. But it's weird because it's almost like, but I don't know how I would have gotten here doing what I'm doing without having gone through that. Certainly. This is a favorite, my favorite part of it. <laughs> I have the privilege um, of helping to minister to people who are right where I was. Um, and that hope that God gives me, I get to give um, to other people that are in that circumstance, and mm. not, not necessarily by what I say. Uh, I live on site, so I see these women 24-7 in their, in their best and their worst. People connect with like people. Um, you know, the lepers hung out in groups, and the Pharisees hung out in groups, um, because like goes with like. Sure. And that hopelessness that, that these women have when they come into the program is the same hopelessness that I lived in. And so I get to share with them kind of not by what I say, but what I do and how I carry myself and who I am today in Christ, they can see the light of hope. Yeah. If I were to tell my story in one line, it would be what the enemy meant for evil. Because consistently throughout my life, I've been in the darkness of the enemy. And, and he thought he had me, <laughs> and he doesn't, and he knows it. Yeah. Um, and everything that he had me doing back then that, that made him think that I was attached <laughs> to him, um, God has given me um, the power and the strength to use those things um, to minister to others. Yeah. Um, to walk through. I couldn't do the job that I do today um, without the experiences that I went through. Everything I went through had a purpose. And I don't for a second think that that it was God's intention yeah. um, for me to go through those things. I don't think God would ever intend for a seven-year-old to be uh, sexually molested. Yeah. I don't think he ever meant for a 10-year-old to smoke pot. But he allowed those things to happen. And he allowed those things to happen because he knew God sees the big picture, the whole story from beginning to end. And he knew what he was going to have me doing. Um, and so he allowed me to gain that experience and gain that, that struggle um, that I get to share with others now. Yeah. And when I, when I have a student come into the rescue mission and it's their first day and they look at me and they're, and they're crying and they say, you know, they tell me that they're worthless. They tell me that that they're that life's never going to be any different. Um, that they're just tired. I get to grab them by the hands and look them in the eye and tell them that I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. um, we have this thing that we're doing now with the rescue mission. It's called Operation Hydration, um, and we're actually taking um, that that ministry out to the streets now. And I'm a part of that ministry. Um, when I was out this last week, I had a young lady, um, and this will kind of encapsulate all of it. I had a young lady that I was talking to, and I asked her if I could pray for her. And right before we started praying, she put both her arms down to, the, to her sides, um, and both her arms were marked up with track marks and, and bloodied and bruised. And she looked at me, and she said, my veins are tired and my body hurts. Will you please pray with me? 
So I had the opportunity and the privilege to pray with this woman. I don't know what her life's going to look like from here on out, but I know that she felt Jesus in that moment. I know that, that the fact that I could sit with her and tell her that I understand what that feels like. I remember when my veins were tired yeah. and my arms hurt. I remember that. And then share with them what, you know, kind of what we're doing here, what Jesus has done for me in the last three years. Um, I'm not the same person I was in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. Um, I'm grateful for the experiences that I had. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't change a moment of my past. Um, That's fascinating. Because Keep of going. who I am. Um, because of what what I get to do in my life today and who I who I know I am um, in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, it's not in spite of who I was. It's because of who I was. My life is not at all perfect. It's so far from perfect. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I just had to meet with our financial guy because my life is not perfect. You know, Jesus didn't come in and, and you know, pay all my bills and, and fix everything. And, yeah. and well, I was going to say he didn't give me a house and a car, but kind of in a way he did. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I still struggle. I still struggle with God. You know, I, I wrestle with God more often than, than I think I probably should sometimes. But the God of my understanding, the God that I know, wants me to wrestle with him. Yeah. You know, he because at least if we're wrestling, we're communicating and, and that's really all he wants. For so sure. so that's what I hold on to. And, you know, I have the the opportunity to do a couple of Bible studies a week with the ladies I work with, which get digs me into the word. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer in if you want to know what God's saying, read His Word because he, he wrote it all down for you. Agreed. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm big on Bible studies. I'm big on 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 digging into who God is and what He's got for us. What I love about the fact that you get to live with these women that you're serving and, and the story of the young lady that you got to pray with and everything. It just reminds me, you know, when the apostle Paul, and I think this is so powerful, you know, when, when, when he says, you know, we gave you not just the gospel, but our whole lives as well. Mm. And that's what I see with you because it's like, it's not just, Hey, here's, here's a Bible. See ya, figure right. it out. It's like, I'm here with you because I've been where you've been. And, and you stick it out the same way God believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. Right. You believe in these women that don't believe in themselves. And you do get to be the tangible hands and feet um, and, and words of Christ. And I think that's incredible. Um, you know, in, in speaking of that, one of the things that, uh, if, you, if you'll allow me to say it like this, one of the things I love about your job <laughs> is that uh, every Sunday morning, uh, often, I should say, uh, very often, I will pull in with my family. And you're pulling up with your family mm -hmm. and talk about what you get to do on Sundays and how you get to facilitate life for these women here at Capitol. Let me just give you a little rundown of our Sunday morning Go for it. Um, because I think it's significant. We get up at 6.15 on Sunday morning. We start our day with devotion um, and then coffee, sometimes coffee and then devotion. It depends on how Saturday went. <laughs> yeah. And then we, people start, the women start talking about church. They start getting excited. They 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 start putting on the dresses and the makeup, and you know, getting themselves together. And the excitement builds as the morning builds. We get to share a lot of of 
of who God is before we even come to church. So by the time they get here, they're so ready. Yeah. They're so ready to hear the message. And one of the most beautiful things I think about my job is that it is 24-7 God. Mm-hmm. Our house is 24-7 God. We finish up at church, we go home, and whatever that message has been for that week, that gets played over and over and over. Um, and we pick it apart. And we So just know that when you give a sermon, we are at home on Sunday picking it apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should start giving me feedback so I can do better the next time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Sunday is just the pinnacle of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, the The gift that I get in all of that is I get to watch these women who have no trust and no faith come into their first Sunday service here at Capitol. And usually they're, they're kind of meek and they sit quietly during worship. Mm-hmm. And as the weeks go by and these women stay, they feel God. Yeah. And, you know, then they're up on their feet. And a couple of weeks later, maybe they're raising a hand. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks later, they're just you know, all into worship and, yeah. and, and they carry that throughout the week and they start to believe because of the message here at Capitol and, and the disciple building that happens here at Capitol, they start to believe that maybe they have worth and value. And I get to watch the light come on and I get to share that with them and I get to walk that journey with them. And I don't think there's a greater gift in yeah. all the world than sharing the love of Jesus and then watching the seed take root. Yeah. So... When I, when I hear that part of the story and I hear you talk about that gradual progression of the way that they, that they worship, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Luke seven, I believe, uh, you know, there, there's, there's this iconic moment where just to get to the end, um, for the sake of time, um, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, this woman who like, because she has been forgiven much, of mm-hmm. course, she's going to act like this. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's going to fall down and worship me like this. Jesus says, um, what did you expect to happen? For a lot of us, we have this, this false understanding of, you know, we come to church and it's like, well, I don't feel like worshiping today because I'm just, I'm in this funk. I'm in this, mm-hmm. I'm in this space. But f- for some of us, I'm, I'm just going to make up a hypothetical. For some of us, let's say we find ourselves in jail in a turtle suit. Uh, hypothetically. That, hypothetically. <laughs> uh, those moments can actually be the thing that cause us to cry out to God beginning from a place of desperation. Mm-hmm. But but when we're in a church service, sometimes that desperation where we're crying out to God, there's a transition that takes place where it becomes, you know, thank you for believing in me. Even though right now I don't feel it, even though right, right now I don't, you know, I, I'm having a hard time connecting with you. I know that you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are there any discussions that take place? I mean, do you feel like um, the, the, because of the stories of the women that you get to work with, how their stories, like God uses that to enable them to praise uh, and to worship in a stronger way. One of the gifts of of corporate time, corporate worship, corporate prayer, which we get to have all the time because we live together, mm-hmm. um, one of the beautiful gifts of that is that we get to see each other going through the struggles. And one of the amazing things about what I do and where I come from and the women I work with uh, is there's, there's a power in coming from the depths of hell. Interesting. Um, yeah. There's, a, there's a, a strength that comes from knowing where we were. And even if we're not where we want to be, we're certainly not where we were. Sure, yeah. And, and looking back at that change, um, there's a, 
not to not to say anything about pastor's kids or anything, but hey, I am one. You but got, exactly, we've already established you're not afraid of me. So, so keep going. <laughs> so I think there's a there's a a gift that people who come from the pit of hell mm-hmm. receive as a result of Jesus switching up their lives yeah. and turning their lives around. Um, that people who have always had that may not get. Yeah. Um, there's a passion that drives that. There's a a, a, a complete desperation not to go back to the pain that we came out of, not to minimize anybody else's pain. Sure. But um, when you have been saved, literally, um, not just the happy Sunday saved, but literally yeah. saved from that despair, the the drive to continue is is so much stronger. Yeah. And the women get to help each other through that. When these new ladies come in, they grab hold of those new women um, who then grab hold of me, who then, <laughs> who I, and then I in turn grab hold of you guys and say, yeah. Um, but there is, there is, um, there's a beauty in, in being able to look at somebody and say, I know you, mm-hmm. I know you because I've been you. And this is what I did to get here. And we get to share that over and over and over in the house. And so when these, when the newer women come into church for the first time and they're, and they're sitting there and they're, they're kind of quiet and they're kind of meek, they feel, because they know the women around them, yeah. they feel God in a way that, that's undeniable. It's just undeniable because we share our stories. We share the depths of hell that we came from. And they get to look at the difference between that and where they are right now, because that's what we're talking about, and who we've become. And it, and there's that hope. There's that hope. That same hope that God gave me in that jail cell, I get to give to someone else through sharing my story um, and being real and not being ashamed of the gospel. And I think that's the that's the other thing that I that I feel incredibly passionate about, and that is not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. God did not reach down and save me so that I could be quiet. He didn't do that. You know, I, I have this, this vision in my mind, and I share this with the women all the time, is that, and, and this is one of the first things I tell them when they come into the program, is Jesus hung on that cross, and he looked across time and across space and across the ages, and he saw you right there, right now, in this moment. And he looked at the father and he said, yeah, I'll do it for her. Mm, and if you were the only person in the, in the world, he still would have gone to the cross for you. And that's the message I want to share. That's what I want to take out to the streets. That's what I want to take home to my, to my family. <laughs> um, and that's the message I want to live. I think, I think that's incredible. Ephesians says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is Amen. in you. Absolutely. And that is what is enabling you to do all these things. Um, so I, I just want to, I want to say thank you for taking the time to share your story. Um, you, you talk about the way that you, all of the women in the house get to influence one another. And let me just, I'll speak for myself, even though I know I could speak for several other people here on staff. You want to talk about your influence doesn't just work there. Your influence, you specifically, but then also the the women that you lead, 
it is so real and so palpable, it's infectious. On the Sundays where I have the privilege of speaking, you better believe it's like I'm right there in the front row and I'm <laughs> feeding off of the just the 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 passion that is coming from all of you. And it's just incredible. I mean, it's it's part of the reason I've I've had people ask me like Hey, every once in a while when you're when you're preaching, you, you'll start talking to someone named Teresa. Who is that? And I'm like, oh, you gotta know <laughs> Teresa. Because if you knew, you would know why I'm like, I'm zoning in on her and everything. So I just I want to say thank you, not just for sharing your story here, but just thank you for setting an example for the women that you work with, the women you live with, but thank you for setting the example for us as a community, uh, as, as being a leader in worship. You and, and several other people that come to mind, you you guys are just such a delight to be around. And I don't know what life at Capital would be like without you. So thank you. Thank you. See, See, we told you, you. Teresa is a unicorn, just so unique, just so unique in not only her story, but the way she tells it. Yeah. So articulate. Yeah. So articulate in a way to put words to experiences. Yeah. Um, And we're thankful um, that she has the courage to share that story with us. Um, Your lows may not look the same, but if you... Let God in to the process of reconciling what's happened in your life. I am certain that God can use your story too to bring someone, you and someone else, closer to Him, just like He's using Teresa. Yeah. You know, one cool thing mm. that I totally did not expect from this conversation going into it was the idea of truly preparing myself for church. Mm-hmm. You know? Confession time on some weekends. <laughs> I'm not even ready for church by the time church starts. Right. My work here. <laughs> right. 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 You sit down and then kind of take the deep, but don't think yeah. ahead of time. But you know what? An opportunity we have to, you know, get in the zone before we get here, you know, mm-hmm. to truly prep our minds for the message before before we walk in the doors, before the band hits the stage or like get in the zone for worship. Hey, that's homework. That's homework. That's some good yeah. homework. Right, get yeah. in the car, turn the, the right, car. turn the right thing on, take a minute, yeah, and then, yeah, so simple, but mm-hmm. such an mm-hmm. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us today. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. <laughs>